0: Guess what, friends? We have big fun, fun news. You know, Crank and Boom has been a Lexington favorite for over a decade now. Well, now Crank and Boom has been enshrined on a Monopoly board. Yes, I'm talking about the real life Monopoly board game you played as a kid with Community Chess, Park Place, and Kentucky Avenue. But Now they have just come out with the Lexington edition of Monopoly and Crank and Boom is on the board. So you can go buy Crank and Boom as a property on the latest Monopoly board featuring all sorts of Lexington attractions. Grab your own board game at crankandboom.com. Be sure to go grab it before supplies run out. Crankandboom.com. Hello friends, welcome to the Crank and Boom podcast. I am your host, Tao Green. I opened a Thai restaurant with my family 17 years ago that has since morphed into a multi-million dollar ice cream business. I have the honor of leading 40 plus teammates to fulfill our company's mission, create joy, ignite laughter, and inspire compassion. And now I get to share my experiences of building this incredible business with you. On the show, we chat all things small business, family, and life, and how we can do it all with a bit more purpose and in community. I am so glad that you're here. This is the Crank and Boom Podcast. These days, there is a lot of debate and conversation surrounding what it means to take care of employees. Whether we're talking about remote work policies, four day work weeks or mental health benefits, how we should prioritize the health and wellness of our workforce is still ever evolving. One of the industries that is not so overly known for its support for employee wellness is of course our very own restaurant and hospitality industry. I've shared with you all some of my story and how I thought I was supposed to yell as a leader, micromanage my kitchen, and doing all of that based on other leaders that I have seen, my own experience, and then what's represented on media. I mean, we've all seen uh, crazy, Crazy Gordon Ramsay and maybe even the early days of Top Chef. But even with my own upbringing in the restaurant world, with my own family, there was not really a lot of space to advocate for my own wellness. Stress, long hours, and physically hard work were all just part of the norm. As I grew up and learned from my peers and mentors and had the opportunity to create my own restaurant culture, I wanted that to change. I didn't really know how, but I had the power to change what I felt was the status quo. The culture of the grind in the kitchen is real, but things are changing for the better, I'm happy to report. Today, we have the honor of speaking to the team behind a new restaurant catching fire in Nashville called NOCO. Not only are they serving incredible Asian inspired food dreamt up from the values of wanderlust and community, uh, yum, that sounds so delicious, but they are also setting a new standard in how they treat their team members. The team is made up of John Murray, Wilson Brannock, and Chef Dung Jr. Vo, and they are incorporating a robust, employee wellness program. Now, the idea behind it is if we pour into our employees' cups and fill their cups, then they will be able to fill our customers' cups and only good things can happen from there. I can't wait for you to hear my incredible conversation with the team from NOCO. This is John Wilson and Chef Vo. Let's get into it. Thank you all so much for being here. We're so excited to learn about what you are doing in Nashville to learn more about your restaurant, NoCo, and just to hear your all stories and how you converged. I'm going to start with Chef Junior. And can you just tell us what your story is and kind of what brought you here to where you are today? What landed you in Nashville?
1: Oh, that could be a long story, but we'll shorten it down a little bit. So I was born in Vietnam. I grew up in on for about 10 years. Things happened. Mom passed away, so we were trying to find a new life. And then we got here in the U.S. And I landed in Atlanta, Georgia first. That's where I lived for almost half of my life, another 12, 13 years. I didn't start out cooking. My family has always been in the cooking business, but I didn't start out cooking. I started doing a couple of different jobs and tech, support, and things like that. And I went to college and... In college, I had a part-time job as a server at a hibachi restaurant and watching these people, you know, these chefs cooks on the grill and the teppanyaki, and I thought it was pretty cool. So I kind of just asked if I could learn, and one of the chefs started teaching me, and then I started making family meal with that. Instead of cooking for guests, I'll be cooking for the staff first, and it was fun, and I was making pretty good money, I feel, at the time. And so I just gravitated towards that so then dropped out of college. But then I went back to culinary school for two years and I finished that working. That's where John hired me for my first kitchen job in Atlanta. And then I just worked my way up from there alongside with John. And Wilson got hired at the same time in the same week. So we're like buddies since then. It's been seven, almost seven, eight years now since then. And so cooking has always been, like, part of, you know, part of my life. I just didn't know that I loved it so much.
0: So you're kind of fulfilling your destiny. You just didn't know that it was
1: your destiny. Right. It feels like that. It feels good.
0: So, John, you have been in the industry for quite some time. What has kind of brought you into the fold, and you have some experience in some other industries. What is it about the restaurant industry that kind of draws you in and brings you to it now?
2: It, like the root of it, it's just taking care of people. I think I've heard this numerous times, never say never. And when I graduated college, because I bartended and waited tables, that's how I got through college. When I got my first real job, as, as you know, everybody that's not in the restaurant business says, I was like, I'll never do that again. And the universe kind of showed me that, hey, never say never. I just love taking care of people. I think that's the root of it. I love talking to people. There's nothing... I think more beautiful than walking through the dining room, seeing someone take a bite of food and their reaction to it when they really enjoy it. And that makes me want to engage even more when that happens.
0: And Wilson, what brought you to to the restaurant world? It sounds like you were hired on at the same time as Jeff.
3: That was all by chance, actually. Coming out of high school, I was supposed to go to college for film. I took a semester off, just kind of like enjoying life, fresh out of high school. I actually got... Denied from college from george State University when I was kind of at a crossroads and then I had a, a family member a cousin I wanted to go help her out at a restaurant I was bar backing and that's kind of how I fell in love with the industry restaurants have a certain energy to them that you just can't recreate I feel like in other places so I just kind of immersed myself in that and then shortly there maybe about two years after that I went to go apply with this restaurant by the Indigo Road called Oku Atlanta. It's a sushi restaurant. John was RGM. Can
0: you give a little backstory on NOCO and how you all went from working together in a different place to deciding that you were going to do your own thing?
1: From a personal standpoint, I feel like working the way that I do and loving and caring and just putting so much effort into something of your craft, right, and not being able to kind of just go about it your way, in a way, or go about it the way that you want to go, it's kind of difficult. And it feels like there's a restraint, there's a limit. There's something holding us back from doing what we really want to do in the way that we want to do it. Since working together for so long, we feel very similarly on some of those things. And so we thought, why not create a space where we can do that? We do it the way we want to do it. Yeah, it started from the
2: pandemic and then it kind of spawned into where we are today and i think in the the day like chef said it's we want to do what we want to be able to do we want to take care of our people at a level and not anybody go "Well, hey that's going to cost your bottom line three percent you can't do that right at this point of course we want to make money no one goes and takes a huge loan and incurs a huge construction cost to not make money but that's never and never will be our driving force the day it is is the day this crumbles we truly believe that
0: How did the conversation start? Was it just that you all were hanging out one day and said, you know, maybe we should try and do our own thing? Because the idea had to spark somewhere. Was there one person that kind of brought the idea to the other two? Or how did that come about?
2: I think we all three of us wanted to do our own thing at one day. But oddly enough, I had a dream um, one night in Wilson. it. And I dreamed about Wilson and I called him the next day and Wilson was my business partner and he was supposed to be my business partner. And I, I'll never forget, I was going down the interstate to heading to Raleigh, North Carolina and I called him thinking like, I felt like I was calling a girl to ask her out on a date and I was waiting to be rejected. All of us had a great life where we were. We, we were financially taken care of. We were in a secure company that wasn't going anywhere. I feel like we were valued. The company we came from did an amazing job. So I, for Wilson to say, Hey, yeah, I'm going to leave all this comfort and we're going to go do something and he like no hesitation. And then Wilson and I kind of conspired slowly, but surely to, without saying it to a chef, to make him a part of it. And yeah, I mean, here we are, and I, I'm feeling grateful and hopeful that 20, 30 years from now, you will come back around and we can have another conversation and we can still sit in the same position and have a different one 30 years later.
0: I will take you up on that. And I, you know, as someone who, so I grew up in the restaurant business. My parents opened a restaurant. They're from Thailand. So I, from age seven to 18, I worked in our family restaurant like it was the family farm. And I (laughs) left Kentucky swearing that I would never come back to Kentucky and also that I would never work in food again. And like you said, the universe just Basically, laughed at me. And, you know, here I am in Kentucky doing food. But I will say that there is a lot to be said about yes, life can be comfortable, but I just want to live it on my own terms. How was that process in saying, not only do we want to do our own restaurant concept, because opening a restaurant is hard and doing it on your own is hard. So, what was that process in saying? We want to do something different when it comes to our team. You know, yes, we're going to talk about food. We're going to talk about service. What is it about the team? And what was that process like when you all were discussing that?
2: We met in a conference room in a friend's apartment one day and said, what needs to change? I think probably all three of us, I know I did for sure during the height of the pandemic when we were opening and closing and opening and closing and mask, no mask. this, that. We're... People were calling out, people weren't showing up, you couldn't get hired. We probably all questioned what the hell we were doing. And when we s- sat back and like started to look at what needed to change to make restaurants a desirable job again, because like I said, everybody is like, oh, when are you gonna get a real job? Well, this is a real job and this has created an amazing life for the three of us. And so we just sat back and we're like, okay, what needs to change? At the end of the day, like, None of this happens without our people. Like if Wilson Jr. and I come to work today, this restaurant's not opening. You know, we might be able to open the bar. like and have a wood fire grill. But this restaurant's not open. And so it was all about just like taking care of ourselves and take care of our people. And Wilson said it the other day, he goes, dude, I haven't traveled this much my entire career in one year. And we're not even halfway through it.
0: What are those conversations when you're having with potential team members or team members that you've already hired when you say, we're going to offer you this, and we're we're going to get into the details of your program, but we're going to offer you A, B, and C, you know, are they shocked because no one else offers those kinds of things? Or what has the response been?
3: I would say the response has been very positive. There have been people who are like, wow, like, you're really offering all of this? Like, no other restaurant job has offered me this. And then it sparks a deeper conversation like, wow, these are some things that are standard in other industries that just aren't ours. I feel like that's just unacceptable. Things have to change in our industry. It's ever evolving. So, and it starts with our people. So yes, it's been very positive and I think it's paid its dividends for sure.
2: Yeah, our interview process has been more like two to three interviews, hour to two hour interviews, one interview, we don't even talk about work. We ask them about their upbringing, you know, what's something impactful in your life, positive or negative that shaped who you are today. And in some of those questions, we're looking for vulnerability. We're looking for people to be human. We're looking for people to be fallible. And we find that when people are vulnerable, when people are fallible, that they tend to be people that like have a deeper emotional like charge than most other people, so.
0: I know for us, when we are looking for our teammates, we are looking for good people. Most of the skills on our front line are skills that we can teach pretty easily. But when it comes to just being compassionate, good human beings, that's the it factor that we are looking for. I feel like for our company that we've tried to evolve over the years and I have tried to get better about is making sure that people know that, it's like, we, we want you to have a good life. We want this to be a part of your life, but your job is not your life. How do you carry that over into the actual culture of the company and of the restaurant?
2: Listen, saying and doing are two different things, right? And I was on your website yesterday, laying in bed in the morning, just kind of perusing. And by the way, I love your hustle of grabbing a $60 ice cream maker and churning it into a business. Right. I mean, it's it blows me away. I love people like that. that come from a humble beginning. But I think every day and Wilson Jr. and I have had a lot of conversation recently. Are we living up to what we say we are? I think in moments we are. And I think in moments we're not. Right. Like I said, I mean, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. Listen, there are days when the grind is long and my frustration may show in moments. I'm not a yeller or screamer or anything like that. But one of our values is forgiveness. Right. And that allows us to make mistakes. We want to take care of our people. We're never going to take care of them at the level that we
1: hundred percent want to, because we're human, but we're always going to strive to take care of them better. I think to add to that, I think like one of the things a lot of people might not look at as important is that we, we ask our people what their perfect schedule is. Right. And we do our best to kind of make that the case. Because the last thing you want to do is someone not getting the days that they need off with their families. For example, the kids, the wife, a partner. We have a lot of musicians and artists and people that this is their part time job. They have a main gig that they do and we'll make a schedule that works for them in that case. So they are able to do what they do outside of work, which is their life.
0: Do you feel like after all the experience you all have had in other restaurant jobs that sometimes you default back to old programming just because this is what our industry standard has been so long? Or do you feel like we're finally getting up to a point where you all and what we're trying to do is breaking free into a new, a new status quo of what it should be?
1: It's like a yes and no. I mean, there's like standard procedures that the restaurant will always be in. Right, like we follow that, but not to say that we'll just stick with it forever. We're as a chef, I'm always looking like traditional techniques. Right, like you, I f- we find a way to kind of just use that and figure out how we can do better. Now, not to change it completely, but to use what we know. I think for us, all of
2: us, when we've taken breaks, we've come back feeling guilty. I think it's starting to subside. We're like we, you know. I took two weeks off for my 40th birthday and i came back and i felt guilty wilson took went to denver and he came back and he felt guilty it's like that's over with like i don't you know in the past you could see signs of like asking for time off is like a weakness in what we're trying to create man i get excited seeing people take time off like we just had a server that she actually is from denver and she went home to denver for two weeks and i'm like that's so rad And we're going to pay her for one of those weeks that she's off, that she gets to take time. Like I was at the gym this morning and my mom was pelting me because I'm thinking about going somewhere for the holidays. And she's like, you're basically ignoring your business. And it's like, no, like just because of the old traditional ways, work yourself into sickness, work yourself into stress, work yourself into a heart attack. That's not life anymore. It doesn't have to be life anymore. You can build success. You can build greatness. You can build wealth and not work 80 hours a week for 10 years. I mean, it's possible. And anybody that says and isn't, then is living in the old way. And we're trying to figure out how to, like, I'll say break that, but how to create a life where we live instead of work.
0: I know I have had to reprogram a lot of my own ways, because that's just what I grew up with as an immigrant family. And this is just this is how we operate. And I remember one time, probably in the last five years or so, and my mom, who has worked so hard her entire life and my dad, she said to me, thou, uh, maybe you should not work so hard. And (laughs) I just about died and went on. I was like, who are you? It's just very telling of not just immigrant families, but just people kind of in our industry is like there's something about that grind that's like a badge of honor or it's like you know you work until whatever hour in the morning and i hope along with you all and hoping that this conversation will spark conversations in other restaurants that like, we don't have to do it this way. There are other ways that we can do it where we can support our teams, where we can thrive together. So I want to dive a little bit into your all's program. I actually saw a posting of a, a job for a line cook off of your Instagram and saw all those benefits. So I, I want you all to kind of talk through, you know, what are some of the different benefits in your program? And what have you seen that have, you know, really resonated with your
2: team. 1% of our sales go back to our employees at the end of the year in the form of a travel stipend. And so that one hasn't taken effect. It'll take effect in January. So I think people have started taking their paid vacation off. We offer health, dental, and vision. Now, we cannot pay 100% of that, but we pay roughly 50% of that. At LineUp, we do an an exercise. One of our values is gratitude. It's kind of like passing around what's something you're grateful for. And we had a young lady yesterday that said, I'm grateful for you all. I was able to use my healthiest you, see a doctor for completely free, and get prescribed the medication that I so desperately need. We paid two weeks of paid vacation. And that's like a lot of servers are tipped employees. And they typically, depending on the company, like some companies just pay you minimum wage or they pay you $10 an hour. We average their tips out of what they've averaged in that last six months. And that's what we pay them for the week that they're off. So they're not actually missing pay. We provide a gym membership at a local gym here in town. We've got a yoga class that starts next month called NOCO Yoga, where we as a
1: team will go do yoga together. Their birthdays are for a lot of employees who work check to check. It's, it's like, oh, well, if I don't work today, I'm not going to get things, you know, paid, especially on their birthday. So. I mean, that's the one day of the year that they get to just be off and do what they wanna do. We
2: also have an insurance to see therapists virtually that's completely free to them that we cover the cost of. It's part of my journey in my healing and in my recovery. I don't drink alcohol. I haven't had a sip of alcohol since April 20th, 2019. And it's been a part of my story and we wanted people to have access to be able to talk to someone, a professional, about what's going on with them to help them pivot and address what's going on in life. I mean, at the end of the day, all these things are great things to do for our people, right? But if we're not living up to it, it doesn't really matter. We have an amazing financial partner. If you went into, I don't say any other, because there's so many companies out there, Tal, that are doing it right. And we're not claiming to be some kind of unicorn that's doing everything the way everybody should do, because we're not. We're still learning. We're still growing. But our financial partner He's amazing. He has no ties to restaurant. He believed in us. He invested in us. We do a financial recap every month or two. And we had a huge line item in our PL for paid vacations. Like substantial. And he didn't even what, what the PTO, I'm just assuming that's paid time off. Okay, great. If you would have gone to any other restaurant tour, not any, but most restaurant tours and they saw that line item in there, they'd be like, What the hell is that?
0: You're gonna have to cut that immediately. But but in his
2: industry, it's like people get paid time off. It's just like, take care of people. You gotta take care of yourself. It's that simple. And we as an industry, for whatever reason, haven't done as good as a job as I think we can and could have.
0: One of the lessons I've learned as an entrepreneur is celebrating. Taking time to intentionally honor your achievements and share them with others is a big part of what makes the whole journey worth it. And one of my favorite ways to do it is with food, of course. Gold Belly is our partner in how we deliver our ice cream to customers all over the US so they can make their special moments even more special wherever they are. And whatever milestone you're celebrating with your friends and family, Goldbelly has just the thing whether you need Guy Fieri's trash can dessert nachos for dad's birthday or Martha Stewart's famous banana pudding for your sister's baby shower, Goldbelly can ship it right to your door and make your event even more special. So if you haven't taken advantage of Goldbelly's amazing offerings, now's the time. Run over to their website at goldbelly.com and make your celebration unforgettable. Hey friends, Tao here popping in to share my excitement about one of my favorite companies in the whole world, Holly Hill & Co. If you are like me and are obsessed with food, especially local food, you will appreciate those special ties that happen around the table. Holly Hill & Co. believes like I do that food creates connection and community unlike anything else. That's why they take care to strengthen the ties across the generations between family, the farmer and the land, all the way to the food that ends up on your table. You can experience exactly what this means at one of Holly Hill's nine unique Central Kentucky restaurants and through their beautiful emails. If you're in Kentucky, be sure to find the nearest location and get ready for an amazing experience with the most fantastic food. Holly Hill's co-founder is none other than my dear friend, James Beard-nominated chef Weta Michael, who's been a force on the Kentucky food scene for over 20 years. Learn more about their incredible food community by visiting hollyhillandco.com, where you'll find stories, recipes, how-tos, and even curated gifts. Again, that's hollyhillandco.com, and let them know that Tal from Crankin' Boom sent you. And what do you say to anyone who might be listening to this, whether they're in a a restaurant or not, as a small business owner, who wants to implement more of these benefits or shift their culture to be more employee focused? The main concern is always financial. What is your rebuttal to that as a team who has intentionally built this into the business model? And what can you say in terms of what results have you seen after having done this? Since you all started last year, what are the kind of tangible and more anecdotal results that you've seen from implementing it this way?
2: I think there's moments, Tao, where we probably just want to bite our tongue, because what we say, I think a lot of people probably don't want to hear. I think if you're thinking about doing it, there is no better investment for a public guest-facing company than to invest in your people. That's the nicest way to put it. You don't have to do everything at once. You can roll things out. Things will kinda, you can kinda back into it and figure out what something's gonna cost to your bottom line. It'll probably, and we're we're only seven months in, but it'll probably cost us somewhere between five and 6% of our bottom line is what we're offering our people. But I don't believe that our bottom line would be where our bottom line is if we didn't do those things. If we would just be another restaurant, Right. Another place where people are coming in, clocking in, clocking out and and trying to make money. And don't get me wrong. Our people are here to make money and we're not perfect. I'll say that a million times over and over and over again. But I hope our people feel cared for. And when our people feel cared for, in turn, I think our people will care for our guests. Our mission statement has nothing to do with our guests. It's about creating a more fulfilling life of travel to spend time with friends and family for our people right? I mean, that's, and now we have to make money. Like if we're not busy, then our employees aren't busy. And as much as we love them and much as we offer them all these things, if they're not able to afford a a living, then they're not going to be here with us.
0: Do people come up to you and ask, how do you all do it? How do you make it work? And are you met with a lot of pushback of saying like, it'll never work that way? Or I don't know what you all think you're trying to do.
2: I think we've had a few operators come in and like, Hey, I'd love to have a meeting to find out how y'all do this other than a couple, our guests come in and say, it's really awesome what you're doing, Yeah, but I don't, no one's like, Hey, reached out and said, we'd love to find out how you're doing it. I, I mean, I think our fuel in the beginning was like, I hope people were talking crap about us behind our back. I hope people think we're stupid. I hope people think that this is ridiculous. I do. Cause it's not, it's not ridiculous. And this is the harsh truth of what we'll say. Knowing that we are extremely grateful, we have a very healthy restaurant, and I'm knock on wood, hopefully it continues to stay that way because if it doesn't, maybe things would change.
0: And even if you cannot implement 10 things that you want to offer as benefits, there's a lot to be said to at least try, to at least say, hey, you can take your birthday off and we'll pay you. That's a small thing to do. And it offers the message guess what i care more about you as a person than the dollars that are coming in because i know you're important to this whole thing we can't do it without you so i think just doing small things and taking small steps is an incredible way to at least go in that direction even if you have not built this in your model i think it can be built into the model for sure
2: rome wasn't built in the day right i mean things take time i mean listen and excuse my french It was pretty ballsy of us to do all this from the very beginning. But if we failed in the pursuit of it, then we failed because our goal is to change hospitality internally forever. Do we think we're going to do that alone? Absolutely not. Are we we anywhere close to it? I don't even know if we see the light, right? But we're inching forward to it every single day.
0: We all have to do it together. And slowly, the next person who might hear this podcast or will read your website or, you know, get to know you all as a group, the word will spread and it will make a difference. So I commend you all for being ballsy and doing that and being different because I think that's what it's all about. I think, you know, at the end of the day, yes, we make great food and that's lovely and we get to create experiences for people. But what if you could revolutionize the restaurant industry? I mean, that there's something to be said about that for sure.
2: It's wild to think about what does that look like? Do you know what I mean? What does that look like? I mean, what we're doing right now, I don't think revolutionizing it because what's standard in other industries is standard here. Okay, so maybe our 1%, maybe a paid birthday off, like, you know, big whoop, but like that's not going to revolutionize anything. Right? And so while we're, I think what we're doing is great. I don't think it's anywhere damn near close to what needs to be done. And I don't honestly think the three of us Exactly, have the the crystal ball or the answer, and so Tal. Hopefully, you know you, this spawns something in you, and then hopefully your podcast. You know, somebody's listening and goes, "Oh crap, we should do this." And then before you know it, it's a domino effect, and we look up and going, "Damn, we didn't even realize we did it, but we all did it together."
0: Even just being here with you all, I was jotting some notes down. And, you know, I actually have a separate tab open next to, you know, our notes for this conversation because I want to take notes and I want to think about how we can implement new things that will help cultivate this culture that we're aiming for. Because we can talk all day, but if we're not going to take action, it doesn't mean anything. I also am imperfect, of course, and want to do the best we can, but at least putting the effort forth, I think, is going to help. All of us move the industry in a stronger place. So just a little more about the restaurant itself. We're going to shift a little bit and talk about what I love is food. And I know you all love food. What is the one thing that you feel like if someone visits Noko, they have to have and have to order?
1: That's kind of hard because I, I work on the chef counter most of the nights and guests will come up and ask me, what are your favorites? It's like asking me which one is my favorite child. <laughs> right. Like, like, it's, it's, it's hard, but I look back at it and I think about the process of making it. And, and obviously there's a story to every dish. And so I'll pick the most, uh, to me, the, the story adds values to the dish. Uh, it might not be the most extravagant, the most expensive, doesn't have to be, but it adds stories of how we grew as a restaurant. I would recommend to our guests our beef belly burnt ends. I saw that it sounds simple in words, but the process of doing it is it was quite a long process and it wasn't done overnight either. It it took weeks and months just to get it to where it needs to get to. And so the story, you know, the the, the work that we put into that. And that's why I think that's like one of my favorite recipe, because you take something that not a lot of people use. Right. Like beef belly. That's not a, a normal cut. And you put in a lot of work, and then you turn it into something that's, like, awesome. It's like our lives, right? We came from nothing, and then we built this, just the work we put in, just like the dish. So, like, the story that goes hand-in-hand with with who we are and what we do. That's one of them. There's, like, so many more.
2: I mean, the tuna crispy rice is our most popular. We sell anywhere between 80 and 120 a night.
1: I think we might have hit a 10,000. Yeah,
2: we sold over 10,000 and... Just less than seven months since we've been open. Yeah.
3: Um, I think we, we've also made a commitment for the tuna crispy rice specifically. We'll never up the price. It's going to be our Costco hot dog.
0: It's your lost leader. No matter what, people will come in for the tuna crispy rice. I also want to commend you all for how open you are about your mission. We are similar in that we talk about our mission and we talk about none of that is actually selling ice cream is not the mission. The ice cream is the tool that we use to fulfill the mission, which is to create memories and to bring joy to people and to inspire compassion for other people. And we do that in so many ways, but it really is a different way of running an operation. And I love how you all are the same way in that You're very forward about why you're here. People who are coming in as guests know what you're about. And yes, it's about amazing food that's wood fired and they love chef's story and they love how you came together. But it's also about the people element that really brings the whole experience home. So I just want to commend you as a, a fellow operator on how amazing that is. And I hope that you all will continue, continue to preach the word on trying to make life better for other people.
2: Well, it's people like you that are helping us spread the word. It really is. We can scream it from the rooftops here in in Nashville and talk about it internally as much as we want, but that's only going to get us so far. So thank you for giving us a voice because without that voice, I mean, it kind of falls on deaf ear to an extent.
0: I again, I'm so grateful for the time and for everything you all are doing. It's an inspiration and I'm going to get to work on doing what we can for our company and of course spreading the word on what you all are doing in Nashville. So thank you all so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Crank and Boom podcast. If you want business advice and tactics like this every week, click that follow button wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode with us. Also, if you like what you heard today, it would mean oh so very much to me if you would leave us a review that helps other people find us leave a note on what topics you want me to cover more of because we would love to hear from you. I can't wait to meet you here again very soon. Until next time, peace. This
3: is a production of Four Eyes Media.